Hello, and welcome to the Humanities Matter podcast by Brill. Today, we're talking about critical storytelling, multilingual immigrants in the United States. I'm speaking with its two authors, Luis Penton Herrera. Morning, Luis. How's it going? Good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm doing well. How are you? Great. And co-author Ethan Tin Trin. Welcome, Ethan. Hey, thank you, Leigh. So, first of all, can you share some background about the origins of this book? So, uh, I was, um, at that time, it was back in 2018, and um, I was teaching English as a second language in high school. I was a high school teacher at the time. And I remember I was talking to my students and just my experiences, right, as a, as a high school teacher. And then I was also um, a doctoral candidate at the time. And I was very much interested in in my students' stories and, and the stories of immigrants in the U.S. And all the information that I could find, it seemed that, that it was uh, people telling immigrant stories. So um, I became very, very passionate about providing a space for immigrants to tell their own stories using their own voices and perhaps even their own languages. And um, I started that journey in 2018. And then I, I reached out to two, I believe it was two, um, two publishers at the time. So they didn't, um, or they, they didn't like the idea or it was not the right fit for them because it was fairly new concept, I think at the time. So then I just left the, you know, the idea there on my desktop for a while. And then one day I was talking to Ethan. I'm like, Ethan, this is what's happening to, to, the, to me and the project. And it's just there. And then I was at that point, I was a little bit demotivated because, you know, two rejections from two different publishers. But then Ethan joined forces with me. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful. And um, then we, we started reaching out to... Um, or looking for other potential publishers. And then that's how we, we came across Brill Sense and their critical storytelling um, book series. And it was just a perfect fit. You know, when I was listening to you and I'm, I'm, I, I recall, you know, the raid memories that we had, you know, when we started the project together. So I'm so grateful that you, you invited me to, to join you and, you know, work with you. Um, so yeah, so at that time I was teaching English to speaker of other languages um, in Georgia. And um, I teach English um, ESOL actually to adult um, transnational and immigrant um, students in a college. And then um, I remember like um, when we were discussing a topic about the melting pot, um, in the United States. And then the student expressed their frustration because for somehow the textbook actually did not tap on, you know, other issues or, you know, other social issues that the student uh, were encountering, like racial discrimination, linguistic discrimination, um, gender inequality. So usually the textbook did not follow. I did not see those kind of issues. And then after we finished discussing about the topic of the melting pot in the United States, so a student came to me and asked me, Ethan, I didn't see myself in the textbook. Um, so 
I was really frustrated, but also inspired at the same time because of that sentence. And I was thinking, what should I do? What can I do to to bring the different voices of the students, especially the the, the immigrant students, transnational and immigrant students, into a collection where their voices should be heard and recognized and acknowledged. And then thank you so much, you know, Louise, that, you know, bringing up the topic. And then I feel like, yes, that is kind of a, a right place that we can start working together so that we can bring all of the voice, especially the multilingual immigrants in the United States together. Well, I'm so grateful this book finally came together and that it finally found a home. Um, Such a special collection here. Um, You organize this collection into poems and narratives. Can you talk about why you chose to divide the book into these two sections and what they tell us about the immigrant experience in the U.S.? When we were starting this project specifically for Brill Sense under critical storytelling, we wanted to really create a space for for different voices and we realized that uh some of the immigrants that we um that we wanted to invite and some of the immigrants that might be interested in contributing to our edited volume they may have never actually written uh academically speaking an essay or or a chapter so you know narratives may have been perhaps too overwhelming for, for a first attempt. But also we, we realized that, you know what, some of the immigrants may also be poet, uh, poets and, and they might be interested in poetry. So I think it, it was, you know, for us, it was just a, a good opportunity to provide different different ways for, for our contributors as immigrants in the U.S. to, to share their voices, whether it's essays, more academic writing styles under narratives or poems, poetry. Uh, we wanted to really disseminate the, the ways in, in which they could um, tell their stories. We didn't want to f- force or emphasize a particular writing style. And um, that also, of course, we invited them to, to contribute using if they wanted, they could do only English or they could do their native language. And then um, we actually have some chapters. For example, one of the contributors in Chapter 5, she wrote her chapter in um, in Spanish and um, she's actually an English learner, so uh, we didn't want languages to be a problem for for anyone if they were interested in contributing. So chapter, uh, I'm sorry, chapter six. So she she wrote her entire poem in Spanish, and I was able to help her translate that into English. So now she has the her contribution is in English and Spanish at the same time. So we just wanted to provide as much diversity as possible to um to to the contributors to share what they wanted to share their stories using what they felt it was more appropriate to them added to that louise because thank you so much for bringing um that chapter um i want (laughs) to it gave me so much joy um so i want to add two things uh from what louise just said so number one, the chapter about like, the poem and, you know, the, you know, it, um, the poem was written in Spanish. So the person, the contributor actually was one of my students uh, in the English class that I taught um, at a college. And it was really emotional for me when I would be able to invite her to contribute because 
one in I, I think I shared this with you, Louise, that uh, in one of the classes that I taught, and then we have an activity where you know all of the students wrote their poems and they perform in their native language and in the home language and English intertwined with each other. And I really want to let them renegotiate their identities, especially in an English language classroom where, you know, there's kind of a room where people say, hey, when you go to the English classroom, when you study, you know, English only classroom space sort of thing. So I want to disrupt that kind of normalcy of, of learning English and, and seeing the word and, you know, viewing themselves as the whole human being and appreciate the home language and their culture. So it's very emotional at that time when my student, um, you know, express themselves in both the, the native language and English. Um, and then the contributor of, of the chapter actually, you know, spoke confidently in front of the class and she burst into tears at the end because she said to she said to me and the whole class like she was a poet in her country, but when she came to the United States, she became a pretender. She felt like she was not validated at all because of her language, because of her identity, because of her look, and all of things. So I told her like, look, you are valued. And you, you have so many things to contribute. And I said, like, look, the opportunity will come. And then, you know, because our book came out and then we said, like, I think like she would be a perfect fit. Um, so I invited her to contribute, to make the promise and then make, make her feel like she, she, she is valuable. Let's put it that way. Um, and her identity is valued and is worth recognizing uh, and honoring. So like Louis said, because most of the, you know, most of the people when they think about publishing in academia is something very, you know, like very risk, risk, risky, dangerous, hierarchical. So we want to do something to disrupt that thinking. Um, we want to bring, you know, the voice of the people who has never been publishing um, in academia. And we want to bring this as kind of like disrupt the, the academy. Um, so I think, you know, that is how we, we want to do. And we, we divide um, into two sections, poems and narratives. And I think that theme of value is so interesting too, because... I feel like that's something that happens to immigrants in the U.S. And, and elsewhere as well, is that someone was a doctor back in their home country or someone was, you know, the best at whatever. And then because you go to another place where English isn't your first language and you don't know the customs, then your whole identity is kind of thrown off base. Yes, th that is correct. And, you know, actually, um, your comment reminds me of chapter... I, I believe it was chapter um, uh, 13 or 14 and um, actually it's 18. So chapter 18, one of the contributors, he actually talks about that and how in his experience coming from the Dominican Republic, um, he, he remembered um, 
many, many doctors back, back in the Dominican Republic who came to the U.S. and now they were taxi drivers. And he talks about their experiences and how that, in a way, motivated him to pursue higher education and to learn English. And he's now pursuing a doctoral degree. So, you know, there, there are... Um, some of the stories here, I think there are different emotions within the stories because, of course, you know, multilingual immigrants, we all have different experiences. And that's also another another thing that we wanted to do in this edited volume was to show the really diversity uh, of, of um, immigrant experiences. It's not just one or two stories. We have so many stories to tell. And uh, some of the stories are a little bit sad, but I think some of them are happy but all of them, you can find this uh, resilience, this strength, and um, in all of the stories, in, in certain parts, there there's always uh, a takeaway of you know I was able to overcome these challenges, and I was able to do this, and I was able to find inspiration in in you know difficult situations like the one that you were describing on how perhaps some doctors in the Dominican Republic came to the U.S. and had to become taxi drivers. But for that particular contributor on chapter 18, he found strength and, and motivation in those stories. So it's always it was always good to hear different stories, different motivations, because it gives you really a, a better understanding of the world through other people's lenses. So talking more about some of those different identity stories, uh, what's in a name? The poems and the narratives in this book deal with immigrant identities and experiences. What do you want educators to take away from this edited collection? I would love to to convey a message to the educators that each individual is unique and is beautiful and they have beautiful different story to share with us. So we need to be patient with them and find the beauty in their word, in their identity, in their language and everything. I mean, the immigrants bring the uniqueness to the countries. You know, I don't think that, you know, we 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 want to have to treat this the 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 student is kind of like, oh, you come here, I teach you the language and then we are done. But I'm thinking about that, you know, we're building the relationship with the student, we're building the trust with the student, we're building, you know, the community with the student. And how can we do that? I think we need to start to listen to the voice, to the story, and how can we think about reflecting the story critically so that the student can make their own action for themselves and for the community that they are in. Um, so I think that is the main message that um, I want the educators to think about and find the, the different imaginative and creative ways to listen to your student's story. For me specifically, I, I truly believe that there is power in storytelling. And this is why we we went forward with this topic of critical storytelling. And I don't think as a high school teacher, me having been taught, uh, I taught in, in elementary, middle, high school, higher education. I don't think um, K through 12 and higher education are very much uh, 
they're, they're not very welcoming yet to storytelling. And when we think of storytelling, usually you don't associate storytelling and academics in the same sentence. I don't know why, but um, I'm hoping that our work here, Ethan and I, uh, what we did with critical storytelling and all the contributors in a way helps change that uh, perspective because uh, definitely when we think about immigrants, English learners, and just language learners in general, storytelling is powerful. They can share their stories. They can be validated when they use their words, their experiences, what they learned. So um, we wanted to, to make sure that we, we provided a, um, something even if it's just you know an edited volume something perhaps that might seem uh tiny little uh, at this point but hopefully will be uh something that would contribute to a growing trend of including storytelling in academia and in teaching and that's why in, in our introduction in the preface we uh we actually talked directly to the educators and we encouraged them to use storytelling in the classrooms and then we we shared examples of how they could incorporate storytelling like for example reading activities writing speaking listening self-reflection and that's also something powerful about storytelling is that when when you're telling your story as a as a storyteller you're also able to reflect and learn from your experiences and um th there is a lot of power in in remembering what you went through and what you overcame and the lessons learned. Uh, and speaking of storytelling, would you mind reading a section from the chapter each of you wrote and sharing what it means to you? I'm going to share here. This is the last paragraph uh, of my chapter. And my chapter is chapter 17 and it's titled My Lies Metamorphosis Becoming Bilingual. It has taken me all this time to come to the realization that becoming bilingual in the United States has been one of the most enriching experiences of my life. It does not matter what anyone ever thought about me, how they treated me, or how they laughed at me. Their actions did not dim my light, did not diminish my intelligence, did not make me any less than what I am. Becoming bilingual was my life's metamorphosis. I spent so much time trying to find perfection without realizing that all this time, greatness lived within me. So um, this last paragraph, it was very powerful for me when I was writing this chapter because I was able to kind of go back into uh, my journey of learning English as a, a, as a second language here in the U.S. And I, I told just a very brief um you know, I, I shared very brief overview of my story, but um, in this final paragraph, I think it was my opportunity to, uh, as I was writing it, I was reflecting on everything I went through and my experiences. And then I realized, you know what, it, it's really, um, it's been powerful for me. Everything that I've gone through made me who I am and, and helped me understand how I have grown through throughout the years. So I just think that writing this final paragraph, in addition to be obviously to being also the end of the chapter for me, it was also um, perhaps it also marked the end of a of, of a chapter for me in my life. Just realizing how much I went through and that everything was worth it for me. So I'm gonna read um, an excerpt from my chapter. Quê hương mỗi người chỉ một như là chỉ một mẹ thôi. Quê hương nếu ai không nhớ, 
sẽ không lớn nổi thành người. And then there is a translation of it. Quê hương, everyone has only one. It's like you only have one mother. Quê hương, if you don't remember, you won't grow up as a human being. My translation for this poem, song, is raw, rocky, and unsmooth. I admit my weakness in translating Vietnamese into English. I spend time finding a good translation for each word. I spend time thinking whether my translation successfully described what the author truly meant. I hesitated in this translation in my own language. I think I failed in this translation. I did not want to give an English person at first, but the readers, specifically Vietnamese Americans, we appreciate this raw attempt because it could help them trace lost identities of language and history. In addition, translating is a political art. It is not just linguistic translation. Instead, it is an expansion of, of a soul, memories, culture, and politics into each word. Translating is not a skill. It is a wholeness of identity of one's life. Therefore, for the rest of this essay, I will not italicize the word Wei Hung or any Vietnamese words because this is my claim as an act of resistance against the Western academic writing style I am trained to publish in. So um, I feel like this excerpt speak a lot to me in terms of translating a word. And I read the poem in Vietnamese on purpose because I want the listener of this podcast to know that you need to appreciate your language, your home language, and love the language, love your home language as much as I do. Because I'm feeling that our language describes the wholeness of our identity. It represents us whenever we go, um, not in the United States or anywhere in, in the world. And I've, I'm feeling like translating is not a linguistic skill, but it is more about putting your soul, putting your memory, putting you know the political art in, into each word. And reading this excerpt give me the power and the empowerment to disrupt the way that um, Western academic uh, publication want me to write or to do. So I really want, to, I, my work is to disrupt the Western way of writing and thinking. So yeah, and I hope that the listener or the reader of this excerpt will We share the same feeling. Thank you so much to you both, uh, not only for sharing your work, but for sharing your journey with us as well. Our pleasure. Thank you very much for having us today and give us an opportunity to share. Our work here is very meaningful to us and to share the, the stories and in some way, the stories and the voices of our contributors in the book as well. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, everyone, for having us today. 
Luis Penton Herrera, and co-author Ethan Tin Trin. They are the authors of Critical Storytelling, Multilingual Immigrants in the United States. You are listening to the Humanities Matter podcast. You can find more podcast episodes on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcast.